Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and always I'm so glad when you join me. And I am so thankful that today I have a special guest with me in studio, and this is Pastor Chuck Foreman. He is here in the Valley at First Christian Church, and Chuck, I'm so glad that you're here. I have great history with your church, and I love the work that you do. So he has written a book that I am very excited about, and it is called The Deadliest Sin, A Penetrating Look at the Poison of Pride in a Leader. And so I don't want you to be dissuaded by the last word, leader. This is specifically uh, and pointedly written for people that are in leadership, but it really means all of us because we are leaders everywhere that we go when it comes to the gospel of Christ and our willingness to walk that out in our community. And so I'm very glad that you're here. Chuck, say hello to the listeners. Hello. It's good to be here with you, Cynthia. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm glad. And let me just tell you a little bit about Chuck. He and his wife, Kathy, they have served as missionaries. And I got to hear some of your missionary stories when I was visiting your church. <laughs> and it was, they were fun to hear. Um, they were missionaries in Taiwan for about 20 years and were also field coordinators for East Asia with team expansion. So they have four children, four grandchildren, and they live now here in Phoenix. And he is the teaching and missions pastor for First Christian Church here in central Phoenix. So um, this church is recognized for its leadership and modeling and what it means to humbly serve its community. And I can uh, testify to that. I see that often. You have a great prison ministry at your church, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, so are we. Um, It's uh, evolving our church into a a new look. Um, We are, First Christian is no longer the sort of hoity-toity on, the, yeah, on 7th in Avenue, <laughs> Phoenix. Yeah. It's the Frank Lloyd Wright building. It is, yes. but we uh, we are not what we look like on the outside. You're kind of getting down and dirty. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, you're really working. And mm-hmm. I'm, tell us a little bit about this prison ministry because um, one of uh, Bruce, uh, a friend of mine, Bruce, that goes to your church, Bruce and Sandy, they were telling me about this. Well, actually, alongside ministries is a prison ministry in Arizona that mentors men and women while they're still in prison, sets them up with a visiting mentor every week, and then they have a residential program outside here in Phoenix once the men and women are released from prison, then they continue a discipleship program. And uh, this group has been supported by FCC for a while, and they're looking for a home church because they like to all go to church together when they're in the program. And they uh, somehow unanimously chose FCC, and uh, they wanted to go to Sunday school. You know, they're used to that kind of thing, so they came to us and they said, you know, what, what about that? And they said, well, we, we don't really have Sunday school. We do small groups all over the city during the week. We do have one residual Sunday school class, though, and it's our our gray-haired and blue-haired great-grandpas and grandmas <laughs> that still do that. And so they said, well, could we go to that class? 
Oh, my. We said, well, that's awesome. Let, let's talk to them first and see what they think. And so we met with the leadership of that class, and they looked right at us, and Cynthia, they said, you know what? This sounds like something Jesus would want us to do. Let's talk to the class. And anyway, they, they gave us the green light, so we told our our prison ministry brothers and sisters, okay, go ahead. And uh, on that first Sunday— Glenn Collins met me downstairs, and this is an 80-year-old guy, and he came hobbling up and said, Chuck, you've got to come up and see what's going on upstairs. These people have doubled our attendance and reduced our average age by a third. (laughs) And they were so excited. And so what what we've seen happen is the people in our church that normally you would expect would say, no way, keep these people away from me have opened their arms wide to receive these strange tattooed wonders and invite them into their fellowship. They've mentored them. They continue to love on them, have them in their homes, and they have shown us their true colors, what it really means to be a follower of Jesus and love and accept those that are normally kind of on the outside looking in. So uh, that's contributed. One of the things that has contributed to sort of an evolution that we're seeing happen at FCC right now, and it's pretty exciting. Well, you know, I had heard on the radio a couple of weeks ago that one in nine children have a parent or family member in prison Mm. in in Phoenix. Wow. I mean, that's that's staggering, you know. Mm. And so it's exciting that you guys are doing that type of work because you know, we all are in some prison to one form or another. Mm-hmm. The, they are just in, in one that's more obvious, you know. Right. And that's not all we do, but that's just one of the one of the things that looks like the kingdom of God now at FCC. It's really exciting. So here you, you, uh, you wrote this book, and um, I know from writing a book it can be a grueling process, and sometimes you wonder, did I really want to write this? Did I, you know, but sometimes you don't know how, what you got yourself into. And so mm. I, I'm glad that you're here today because I wanted to start the year with a real formative process. Right. And, you know, pride really is the deadliest of all sins. It leads to so many others. And if we can kind of get a handle mm-hmm. on that in our life, our lives work much better. We, we usher in much more peace, contentment, joy, happiness. You know, we exactly. we get over things much easier. We are not prone as much to anxiety and depression. And um, there's all kinds of benefits from mm-hmm. tackling this, Which, but it's a biggie and it's not very fun. Well, when you write a book like that, Cynthia, as you know, I'm looking at, at uh, the cover of your book too right now in front of me, but um, you really take some risks mm-hmm. because first of all, especially when you're talking about character issues like pride, it has to be about you first, or you really have nothing to say. Exactly. And, you know, I took some risks in there because every one of those stories are true. I changed the names to protect the guilty, (laughs) Um, except for my own, (laughs) of course. Right. So, you know, I, over the years, I just began to notice uh, men and women around me who I loved who were in leadership fall. And every single one of the things that brought them down could be traced back to their personal pride. And I started to take a look inside myself and realize that, um, you know, I, I kind of need to get over myself because I'm not humble. And I think that's the first thing we need to understand is none of us are humble. And 
in this pursuit of humility, there's never going to be, um, you're never going to be completely rid of any residue of pride. It's always going to be there. And so humility is not becoming completely unprideful. It's about the pursuit of humility. And what are you going to do to um, be relentless about subduing pride in yourself and be willing to just take a deep breath and get over yourself and realize that, you know what, you're probably not very humble and there's a lot of things you do that other people pick up on and they're not stupid, you know, they they see it in you. So what is it that they see? And that's kind of the uh, the theme and, and sort of the journey in this book and the stories that are in there that help us see that in ourselves. You know, I think that's one of, you know, it's that famous saying that once I think that, you know, I've gotten over pride, you know, it's you like, have it. exactly. It's like, now I finally am a humble person. Right. It's, it's like, a sure sign that you're not. Exactly. It's, you know, and, and I think that what I like about the book is that you really try to expose the different ways that it manifests because it can be very deceptive, you know, and it's very tricky. Hmm. And um, and I thought, you know, one of the things I want to talk to you about is the idea of the difference between having pride and being, you know, proud. Am I allowed to be proud of myself? Am I allowed to be proud of accomplishments? You know, and that there's a difference between pride and, you know, being pleased with, with mm-hmm. something that God has done in your life or an accomplishment that you have made. Right. And. You know, English is tricky because we have words that mean lots of different things, and you have to give them a context like love. You know, right. I love my wife, but I love ice cream. Well, those are not the same thing. Right. And it's the same way with pride. Um, to be proud of your children, to be proud of an accomplishment is, you know, that's kind of a uh, a healthy self-esteem issue mm-hmm. that, that we all need to, to allow ourselves. Um, but the way that that destructive pride manifests itself is sometimes very subtle mm-hmm. and we need we need to uh we need to be in tune with ourselves about how we subtly promote ourselves and we do it all the time and usually we're the last ones to to see it the people around us will tell us if we're willing to listen you know and it's all about it's all about what our blind spots are and what we don't see in ourselves that other people do well tell uh, tell us your story because you said you started to kind of look at yourself. Well, I, I, was, I was noticing people doing what I do. And see, the thing about when you're in a leadership role, whether it's in the church or in business or in politics, um, we are the most vulnerable because we're in the spotlight. And especially when you you're up in front of an audience all the time and if they like you or you imagine that they like you, which we all do, um, you can look forward to that binge, you know, that weekend binge of getting um, all the accolades from whatever you do, whether it's speaking or singing or, you know, anything that you might do as a leader and that can corrupt you. So where life becomes all about you and not all about serving and not all about helping people. And so we need to be very, very careful about that. And I began to see some things in me that were becoming all about me instead of all about the kingdom of God. And I started noticing men and women around me who were 
extremely prideful and didn't realize it. And yes. I was challenged by, uh, I heard a statement by Dan Allender, who wrote a book called, and I'll come up with it in a minute. <laughs> <clears throat> well, that's okay, because we have to take you to a break anyways. Sure. So I'm glad that you're joining me today. This is Chuck, Pastor Chuck Foreman with First Christian Church here in Phoenix, Arizona. And we are talking about his book, this, The Deadliest Sin, A Penetrating Look at the Poison of Pride in a Leader. And I don't want you to not tune into this because you think you're not a leader. This is about really walking out the life of Christ and having a very powerful and effective impact in the world around you. So join me again in the next segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. You can always uh, find me on my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and I should also say Happy New Year. So I'm excited to have with me today Pastor Chuck Foreman from um, First Christian Church here in Phoenix, Arizona. And I've got great history with his church. I really love the work that they do and the teachings that he has. And he has just recently come out with a book called The Deadliest Sin, The Penetrating Look at the Poison of Pride in a Leader. And a very powerful book, and I think it's a great way to start our year, because one of the things that we can know is if we really manage and continue to work on the issue of pride, and we are fallen people, we know we have this propensity toward pride, and that no matter how hard we work on it, it's kind of like a cockroach, it just keeps coming back. And so it's important for us to recognize in our walk and really walking out the calling God has on our lives personally and professionally that we address this issue. And if we do this one, this hits so many other areas and levels in our life. And it makes, it kind of streamlines that formative process. So Chuck, welcome. So welcome again to the show. And I'm glad you're here. So we left off talking about kind of your story and the impetus of this book and the realizations or how God began to kind of shine some light in the dark places for you. Thank you, Cindy. Yeah, I, um, I, I began to really, in just thinking about this whole idea of pride and humility and how that works out in us, um, began to sort of despair of ever being able to think I was humble. And eventually. Which is probably the best way to know you're, da- you're tackling pride. Maybe so. And I finally decided, you know what, I just need to take a chill pill and admit that. You know what? I'm I'm not a very humble person. And probably what God is after is my pursuit of humility. And I started to think about what all that was about and what I finally realized <coughs> is that humility is not the absence of pride. But it's the relentless effort to subdue pride in ourselves. Now, I love that quote because I'm going to quote you on that one. I love that really idea because then it is truly a formative process, and it doesn't end. It's not an arrival place. No, and and you probably never arrive there, but it becomes a way of life. It becomes a habit where you you always have to question your motives for doing and saying things. And when we when we fail to do that, we we will just become prideful. And um, the most prideful people are obnoxious. You know, everybody else notices it. Um, but it's not just. It's not just leaders who are prideful. 
Um, you don't have to have an audience to be a prideful person. and You only have to be human to be prideful. That's right. And where <laughs> it shows up most with people who are not up front in the spotlight like, like we are is uh, when you can never be wrong. Yes. When you, you yes. have a problem with ever taking responsibility for yourself or saying I'm sorry or admitting that you're wrong. And I think some of that comes from uh, growing in security and realizing that, hey, you know what? It's okay to be wrong, but it's not okay to never admit that I'm wrong. I think that I think that's a powerful awareness and insight is to recognize this issue of security because the most insecure people are very prideful. Yes. Because pride comes with insecurity. That's that need to compensate all the time, to prove who you are, to show who you are, to need to have that, the validation of who you are instead of just knowing who you are, knowing you're loved, knowing you're wanted, knowing that you're valued mm-hmm. by God. And that it has nothing to do with your performance. You know, that it has everything to do with you being who God called you to be, which is going to be a unique person and a mistake-making mm-hmm. person. Absolutely. And, and it's hard to do that because, you know, we're just human. And none of us like those feelings of not measuring up. Yeah, there's a very fine line between pride and insecurity. And in fact, I'm almost to the place where I'm not sure that it exists. I think they're the same thing. I do too. Except that uh, insecurity just sounds better than pride, and we would rather have that label than the label of pride, but I'm not sure that they aren't just exactly the same thing. Well, you know, and they do, because it manifests from this overabsorption with self, you know, and it doesn't mean that Mm. we're not to be, you know, there's always this, this mixture that we, you know, Thank God we have Holy Spirit because that, you know, that's the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us with that formative process of saying, okay, how do I know the difference between these two and where's that line? And the awareness that I want to be so aware of myself, I don't have to be aware of myself. Right. And when you can get to the place where you, you realize that, you know what, it's okay for me to be wrong and people will like me more if I admit it than if I'm unwilling to, because that always alienates people from myself. Um, and I, you know, especially leaders, you know, when you, uh, Bill Heibel said, your stock goes up when you take responsibility for yourself and own your mistakes. And the leaders that fall are the ones that are unwilling to do that. You know, they get to the place where they think that because of their position, they're above the rules that apply to all the other peons around me. And, well, you uh, know, it really is about, you know, God wants a horizontal world. And horizontal when it comes to humans. I don't mean horizontal mm. when it comes to sin. You know, mm. there, there are certainly consequences of sin. We can sure. make that on a vertical level. But when we turn our world in, into everything being vertical and I start figuring out where I am on that mm. vertical scale and I'm above you and you're below mm. me, but, you know, as soon as you enter into that, you go that yeah. that's a huge red flag that now i'm i'm entering into pride and acting out and thinking in a prideful manner because truly in god's eyes it's all horizontal it really is and even paul talked about we get into trouble when we compare ourselves with ourselves or with others exactly well i think there i did want to ask you before we get close to a break cuz i want you to expound a little bit on the difference if there is between pride and arrogance so do you think, like, arrogance is the manifestation of pride, or, or? Well, I think, you know, it could be a semantic problem that we might not want to get caught up in. But, yeah, arrogance, uh, 
is probably a manifestation of pride, you know. Because I uh, think that's where it comes with not being able to be wrong. You appear arrogant. When, you know, you might think, uh, when Richard Sherman says on public TV, I'm the greatest D-back on the planet, well, okay, but do you really have to say that? I mean, let your let your actions, let your merit, let your skill speak for itself. And we we sort of don't like that when people talk that way about themselves, but we do that in other ways that are more subtle, little mm-hmm. self, self-promotion inserts into our conversations like if you have to if you want to make sure that people know that you were the first to know something or you can't wait to pass it on and be the first um, or uh, you know to not be able to admit that you didn't know something um, you know I do that all the time we fake it till we make it wait till we figure something out so we don't have to figure out that we didn't know it you know we, we all need to just sort of exhale and get over ourselves and realize that it's okay. You don't have to be the guy or the gal, and you don't have to know everything. People will appreciate you more if you're willing to admit that. Because it really is about uh, subtle competition. Mm. Well, this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversation with Cynthia on 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk. I have with me today Chuck Foreman, who has authored a book, The Deadliest Sin, Penetrating Look at the Poison of Pride in a Leader. And we're heading into another break, and this is the hard break. So I, I want you to, re- to stay tuned in because I think this is going to be very helpful for you in understanding how this manifests in our relationships and what pride does to our intimate relationships and the relationships we have that God is wanting to really foster. So join me again in the next segment. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt here on 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk, and Happy New Year. And I'm so glad that you're joining me today. I have um, Pastor Chuck Foreman from First Christian Church here in the Valley, here in Phoenix. And he has written a book, uh, The Deadliest Sin, a devastating look at, I'm sorry, a penetrating look. It is devastating to have have (laughs) pride. (laughs) A penetrating look at the poison of pride in a leader. And I'm, I wanted him to be on the show, especially to begin the new year with this, because I want us to really look at this, this trait, this issue, this conundrum that we all have in our life. And he is very willing to be open. And in his book, he really gives some very personal examples of this. So Chuck, thank you for joining us again. And, and we kind of were talking off air a little bit about how this became critical for you, how you really came to say, this is something I need to be working on personally. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of years ago, as I began to move up in positions of leadership in um, in the organization that I was in, I began to see leaders that I knew and loved drop like flies around me because they had fallen morally. And I thought, what's the difference between me and them? And I had to honestly say, probably not that much. That could be me. And I did not want to be that guy. And it scared me to death, Cynthia. It Mm. really scared me to death to think about the people that they had let down 
And I started thinking about all the people that I know all around the world. I started thinking about our precious people in Taiwan where we were missionaries at the time. What if I fell? What would happen to them? They, it would be devastating to them, to my family. I, I have four children. I thought my boys, my daughter, would never be able to look at me in the same way again. I, that is not who I want to be. So what is it that's going on in these mostly guys, but not just guys, in women too? What's going on in them that has led to this downfall? And I began to see that even even men who had fallen morally, pride was at the root of that. Um, leaders who had fallen moral, morally but not sexually, maybe in financial matters, pride was at the bottom of that too. And so I thought, how do I keep that from happening to me? Or pride even relationally where you won't get over something or really mend something because of what we talked about in the last time, they need to be right. Right. And when we were leaders in Taiwan, the Taiwanese people rolled out the red carpet for us. And these were people that had come to Christ from complete paganism. They were idol worshipers. They knew nothing about God. We were their spiritual parents. And we mentored them in their growth personally and in their faith. And it got to a point where... I was beginning to see that they would do anything for me. In fact, once in a, in a meeting with the core leaders of our church, one of them spoke up for the group and said, and I, I tell this story in the book, um, Chuck, you are our senior pastor. Whatever you do, whatever you tell us to do, we will do. And I thought, wow, could I abuse this? authority that they have just given me. And then it hit me, Cynthia, that authority is not something that I can grasp for myself, that authority is a gift given to people by others when they know that you would give your life for them. And so that put me on my knees. And I thought, Lord, please do not let me abuse this. That is not who I want to be. And that began a journey in me of realizing that I had to second guess every motivation that I had. Why am I doing this? Who's the king in my life? Am I building his kingdom or am I building my own kingdom? And it's not hard to answer that question if you're willing to honestly ask it. And if that's a good if you're point. not, yeah, and if you're not sure what the answer is, ask the people around you that have the guts to tell you the truth because and you know if they don't have the guts to tell you that's even more indication well and someone will yes somebody will and they'll save your life they will save your life wow so did you start asking i did there were people in my life who were willing to speak up um one of them is my wife of course she's never been afraid to tell me (laughs) what she thinks. And uh, all I have to do is listen to her. And and God speaks to me through her all the time, all the time. She's a good mirror for me. Wow, this is powerful. So we have only one more segment with you. And we're going into a break. And so, listeners, I want you to um, make sure that you join us again in this last segment to hear the rest of this story and, and how powerful it is for us going into the new year. And if you are not able to listen to the show in its entirety, you can always go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and all the shows from uh, past, um, past guests are on that website, so you can listen to the show in its entirety. 
This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. Well, thank you for joining me today. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So if you are just joining in, I have with me Pastor Chuck Foreman from here in the Valley, here in Phoenix, uh, First Christian Church, here right in central Phoenix. And he has written a very insightful book called The Deadliest Sin. And it is a penetrating look at the poison of pride in a leader. And I want you to remind yourself that we are all leaders. This is not just literally um, a leader. This is about being a leader where you go and leading in your relationships, leading um, in your families, at at work. And so this issue of pride is one of the things that we want to start the new year out. We want to really start the new year saying, God, if the only thing I work on this year is this relentless pursuit of humility and not thinking I'm ever going to arrive, but my willingness on a daily basis to take a hard look at self and how how much my ego is getting in the way, and how much am I trying to defend and protect myself. And so, Pastor Chuck, thank you again. This is our last segment. And Mm -hmm. so we were just kind of talking about this whole idea of, you know, what might be some indicators as to, wow, that might be a pride issue. Thank you, Cindy. it's good to be with you, you again. You, I think you must have known me in high school because you're calling me Cindy, <laughs> and nobody calls me Cindy. That's hilarious. Well, it's for sure, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thank <Okay>. you. <laughs> um, yeah, indicators of pride, that's a that's a big thing, and um, you kind of have to be willing to look at the mirror mm. for a long, long time. And Yes, you have this list of questions. Hmm. Yeah, you'll be depressed by the time you get to the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the book's actually a lot of fun. There's a lot of stories, a lot of stories about me, and um, I think I think one of the first things we have to come to is to realize that probably none of us are very humble, and we just need to, on the one hand, admit that, on the other hand, be okay with that, and realize that what God is after is our relentless effort to subdue pride in ourselves and what that what that takes, and I think the, a big one is questioning our motives for, for mm-hmm. what we do. For me as a guy, um, you know, uh, growing up in America, I'm as red-blooded as the next guy out there, and the whole macho thing that's presented to us about, you know, this is what a real man is. And and I had to start asking myself, why is it that I would rather be seen driving my Dodge Ram pickup than driving my wife's Camry? <laughs> and why do I like to show up when it's colder in my black leather jacket, you know, mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. my hoodie or whatever? Mm-hmm. And all those little things where, you know, uh, beginning to see that subtly we maneuver life all the time so that people will notice us, so that, you know, we we can present an image of what we think it is to be cool or to be on top and... um I think part of our security as people, especially if we call ourselves Christians, is understanding that we're we're okay because we're children of God. We don't need to do anything to draw people's attention to ourselves. We need to, you know, if the Lord thinks that 
our horn needs tooting, he's perfectly capable of doing that on his own. And when we do it, we just make a mess. We make a mess of everything. And sometimes the unfortunate thing is we're the last one to see it. Everybody else does out there. So how, how could we help listeners today know, wow, that might be an issue of pride or that? Because, you know, truly what we're doing this show about is the only reason God is wanting to address pride in our lives is because of the, the destruction that it does mm-hmm. to ourselves, to our heart, our relationship with him, our relationship with other people, the impact we have on the world. It's that, it's that toxic sin that just eats us alive from inside and takes away all our effectiveness. You know, I think a huge one for all of us across the board, whether we are a leader that is always in the spotlight or we're never in the spotlight, is this one thing. The question of when was the last time that I actually said to anyone, you know what, I'm sorry for what I did or for what I said. That was inappropriate or that was wrong without adding a but and then trying to defend ourselves or explain ourselves away. And um, that's a huge one. That was a huge one for me where I had to get to the place to admitting that, you know what, I add but a lot. And I, I try to excuse myself and, um, you know, give myself extra license and every extra privilege to behave in a certain way that I really shouldn't. And um, we... And the justification that oh, yeah. we might do. Yes. Yeah, it's okay to be wrong. That's huge. That is, I mean, you, you remove such a burden from your life and your heart when you realize, you know what, I don't have to be right. You know, what's the goal here, that I'm right and I come out on top as the winner, or is it my relationships with people? Which is more important? Is that, is that saying I can either be right or be in relationship? Yeah, and some, sadly, you, you can't have both most of the time. Well, because the world is too complicated. It isn't, you know, maybe when we're like under the age of eight, it could be a right or wrong mm. issue. It could be that literal. But it's very complicated for us as adults. You mm. know, there's, there's pieces of it that are right. There are pieces of, us, pieces of it that isn't. There are great explanations. You know, we don't want excuses. But, you know, it, it really isn't about always the right or wrong issue. Because I, I, I tell clients every day, how many people need to be told they've done something wrong? We know we've done something wrong. Mm. We may not want to admit it. But, you know, it isn't a shock or a surprise if we've broken a moral code. You know, these aren't, these aren't things that, oh, mm-hmm. thank you for telling me. I didn't know I did that. Now, if, if it's a misunderstanding, if we overlooked something, I think those are the most powerful things that you right. can say. I'm glad you told me. Because we can then we, we can create that relationship, that break, and we can, we can mend it very quickly and very easily. Right. And when we refuse to do that, when we have to be right and give mm-hmm. that but well, yeah, maybe I did that, but then we've now complicated a relationship that doesn't have to be that complicated. Yeah, it's it's better to uh, admit that we're wrong when we are and, and move on, and it's so much easier to move on when we do that. You know, I wanted to ask you, do you think that there is, there's a difference between pride in men or pride in women? I think it's manifested in different ways, yes. but, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I see it. It is, uh, pride is not gender specific. Exactly. At all. So how do you see it manifest in men and how do you see it manifest in women? Well, especially in America, our culture, we have the image of uh, the real man thing and a lot of guys get caught up in that. And that's that's a pride issue. Um, I think uh, in, in women, 
It is uh, modesty or the lack of it and fashion. Um, in fact, there's a, even a chapter in the book called uh, uh, Can of Worms that we where, where we talk about um, issue with women and modesty. And you see this in Phoenix a lot because it's so warm here. And as soon as the weather warms up, um, the skin starts to show up. And, you know, I'm thinking, why why does she have to dress that way and display her body to us? And there's only one reason, Cynthia, mm-hmm. is because our society has told her that your self-worth is based on how many male heads you can turn. So your your worth as a woman is based on your attractiveness to one degree or, the, or another. And that is, and that's, that's that, a lie, that for one thing. Yes. That's a lie. Sadly, um, a lot of women believe that and think that, and so they dress accordingly. And I think that's a, that's a pride issue. And guys can do the same thing, you know. Um, why do you... You know, guys can dress immodestly just like women. It's just not, sometimes it's not as noticeable. Exactly. But some guys do that as well. Well, it is always that one upping, you know, mm-hmm. and that's that, that whole, that, that competitive part. And I think it's, it's different for men than it is for women, although men and women are equally competitive. We just compete for different things. Sure. You know, I think for men it might be more difficult sometimes to recognize confidence and competitiveness because that's part of your nature is to take on a challenge to, over, to, to overcome, you know, and, and pursue that. And, and so there's that, that subtle line, that difference in am I competing to, you know, squash this person so that I can show the world I'm better than them, or am I competing to be my best right. in this situation? Right. Are we, are, are we doing what we do so that we can be the best and accomplish something good or are we doing are we pursuing whatever pursuit it is so that we can draw attention to ourselves i think it's really powerful what you're saying about this idea of relationship because pride really dramatically affects relationship which always the enemy of our soul knows that takes away all effectiveness we have in 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 furthering the kingdom here on earth and so i want to i want to ask you before the show ends what was the the favorite part for you in this book and what was the hardest part? Mm. I think the hardest part was telling some of the stories. Um, and I I struggled for a long time whether I should tell some of these stories because they're all about real people. And uh, some of the, you know, some of the stories I've, I've changed just slightly so that they wouldn't be as easily recognizable. But they're all about real people. And my intention was not to hurt anyone. But... The lessons I learned from observing people were uh, invaluable to me. I feel like they helped change me as a person. And uh, so those were, I, I tried to make them fun, but they were not easy to to write. And uh, some of the funnest stories actually were about myself, where I looked back at some of the stupid things I've done and realized how prideful I was and how ridiculous it was and I you know I in the end I think the healthy thing is to be able to laugh in a healthy way at at ourselves and we we don't need to live in abject condemnation and you know grovel and despair and eat worms for the rest of our life because of you know discovering who we really are we need to be able to say you know what 
welcome to the human race. Now, what are you going to do about it to make yourself better so that you don't hurt people and so that your life's ambition is not to draw attention to yourself but to achieve some good in this world as you work for your king, promoting his kingdom instead of your own? I think that's very powerful. And I think this, this um, quote that you, have, well, that you wrote that I would like to quote is this relentless pursuit of humility, not this arrival point. Mm-hmm. But it's on a daily basis and not like I'm going to try to be humble so that I never have pride. It's this issue of every day I'm going to really say, God, I need to lay my life down. And I need to right. know that it's not about me. It's about your mm-hmm. kingdom. And I need to get out of the way. And I need to be willing to be wrong, which is a mm-hmm. lot of what you're talking about, willing to, to self-reflect, willing to, to let go of self-promotion, you know, to, to really not compare and contrast ourselves. So right. we have about one minute. What would be your parting words for us today? Well, I was struggling for a definition of humility, and I just was unable to come up with it until one day it hit me. You know what? You, you're a prideful guy. And you need to admit that, and you need to recognize that there's always going to be some residue of pride within you. So what I realized was that humility is not the absence of pride, but the relentless effort to subdue pride in myself as I walk with God every day. And I think it would be a good habit for all of us to hit hit the floor on our knees every morning and say, Lord... Let me don't let me screw this up today. Let me walk with you realizing who I am and I'm not you. You are you. I'm your servant. It's not the other way around. Help I love me. that. I think that's I think that's a great way to um really focus on this next year of saying that it isn't about getting rid of pride, it's about the constant relentless pursuit to to really contain it, to really manage it, to really overcome it. Because we're going to wake up and it's going to be right back there tomorrow morning waiting for us. Hmm. You know? Yes. So thank you, Pastor Chuck. I really appreciate you being here today. And, and I want to make sure that people can, can get your book. This is on Amazon. And um, it's also Kindle, which I use the Kindle. Hmm. So thank you again. This is Conversations with Cynthia. Join us next week. This is 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk we hope Radio. This past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.